Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Foltz. With me, as always, my partner in crime and co-host, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you this evening? I'm doing good, Foltz. How are you, my friend? I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. We, we, we've been extremely busy uh, here in the studio, outside of the studio, working on uh, our new after show, which has been a lot of fun. The after show has been a blast in production. So if you if you haven't uh, seen, uh, we've released two episodes of our after show recently, and uh, definitely got some uh, good information in there. We cover some information that we don't cover on the podcast, so it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, definitely go and uh, check it out and subscribe. Yeah, man, I, I like it, and I see us doing it in the future. Absolutely. Um, so let's see. There's there's some crazy things that are uh, just going on in uh, in the news lately too, with uh, with uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein, man, this this thing keeps unfolding. It, it really does. Uh, there was a uh, what what they call a hot mic interview that uh, just came out yesterday, um, covered by uh, ABC's Amy Robach. Now I don't. She obviously didn't know that she was being uh, filmed or whatever, but there was an inside leak at ABC that released this video. Subtle Beast has it up on uh, on our social media. I believe it's out, out on Facebook. You can go check it out if you haven't seen it. But this lady, Amy Robach, has had information on Jeffrey Epstein for the last three years. And basically, ABC sat on the story, and they wouldn't allow her to put it out. And just imagine what could have uh, what could have been done. How many people could have been saved? How many people would have been held accountable for their actions had she put this out? Because she came right out and said we had everybody. Clinton, basically, what like the one prince of England, right? Uh, because he was with Epstein, he had been on that island. I mean, she was just name dropping. She was telling the, um, his main source, the lady that used to go out and recruit for right, him. The, her right, yeah, his right hand man. And now he went and, you know, murdered himself. <laughs> and so who knows what's going to happen? I mean, the story can't be, can't, can't be over. If anybody that's been on social media lately, it just seems like everything is Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. Right. I mean, that is kind of uh, like popular belief. Yeah, it totally is. And <clears throat> it leads right into what we're going to be talking about tonight because if this Amy Robach from ABC had this story for three years and it still hasn't, it, it never saw the light of day. Who, who was, uh, who was holding or making <coughs> sure that ABC didn't release this story? Um, and just basically canning it because who knows, was there, were there people in ABC that were a uh, part of the scandal? Who knows? Was it, was there two, too much power. I know Amy Robach said that they got a lot of pressure from uh, Buckingham Palace to scrap the story, and she basically said that they were threatened that if they didn't scrap the story, that they would get zero coverage of uh, you know the most recent wedding that was happening. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, this lady, I mean, is just dropping bombshells, and and and, and kudos to her, even though if she didn't realize that you know she was being recorded. Kudos to the guy that leaked the video. I mean doing some good getting this out. I mean, yeah, we still can't get Epstein, but we can look into uh, his suicide a little bit closer. And there's other people out there that have answers. There definitely is. And, and that and that story 
definitely needs to come out. There needs to be a lot of pressure to ABC to release that three-year-old interview with this lady basically telling everything. Yeah, I still want to see it. Yeah, everybody does. I mean, it's going to be demanded upon. I mean, one of the biggest, I mean, Jeffrey Epstein is going to go down as probably the biggest pedophile in, in, in U.S. history. Yeah. And then to just, to never see the the light of justice in the eyes of the American people, and then to be duped to try and tell us that, that he killed himself. The evidence is out. I mean, even the uh, the coroner said that his neck injury is more consistent with a strangulation than it was from a hanging. So, I mean, and uh, I don't know if it's, uh, I mean, people definitely seem to care, but I mean, there needs to be a larger outcry, I think. I mean, this needs to be looked, I mean, the guy's brother, Epstein's brother came forward and was just like, uh, yeah, there was a lot of things that were inconsistent about that uh, autopsy. Right. And he, had, there was a setup from a couple weeks before where they were saying that he had tried uh, suicide prior to that sure. being successful. But then the story got muddled because they said he just got roughed up in prison. Yeah, but they were setting the premises for the murder. <clears throat> I believe so. So what? So how this ties in tonight with our topic of Operation Mockingbird is, was Amy Robach of ABC, was she silenced by the, the presidents of that company? Because <clears throat> we obviously, we know journalism is dead. I mean, they can't even report what they want anymore. But with tonight's topic, it goes a little bit deeper. I mean, it even involves uh, the CIA. So uh, without further ado, we're going to jump right in with <clears throat> what is Operation Mockingbird? Now, with regards to conspiracy theorists on both sides of the political spectrum, lies a common conspiracy that the CIA controls the mainstream media in the United States. The evidence they cite for this is the Operation Mockingbird, an alleged large-scale program of the United States CIA that began in the early 1950s and attempted to manipulate news media for propaganda purposes. So what was Project Mockingbird? Does this program indicate <clears throat> CIA control of the press now? Did it then? What was Project Mockingbird? A more notorious CIA electronic surveillance operation was Project Mockingbird, which involved taping the Washington, D.C. telephones of two U.S. newspaper reporters in 1963. The operation was done with the support of the telephone company and with the apparent knowledge and consent of the Attorney General. The reporters had published extensive news articles that contained highly classified CIA information. The CIA tapped the reporters' phones to identify the sources of that classified information in order to prevent such leaks from continuing. The operation culminated in the identification of dozens and dozens of the, of the reported sources, including a White House staffer and an assistant attorney general, 21 congressional staffers, and six members of Congress, and... 12 senators. That's quite a list. That's a grip of people. Wow. Now, Project Mockingbird, the CIA's warrantless telephone tap of the phones of the U.S. reporters to determine their sources of information, does not appear to have been legal in 1973. Though the agency had Attorney General Approver to conduct the taps, their surveillance did not appear to have been done to collect foreign intelligence, but rather to assess the source of leaks and therefore would not comply with the basic requirements of the foreign intelligence. It is possible that the project could have compiled with that exception and been legal if the CIA originally believed that the leaks were being made by or to agents of a foreign power or that the reporters were acting as agents of a foreign power. 
However, there is no indication that the CIA ever held such a belief or acted for such a purpose, and therefore, the project would appear to have been illegal. Yeah, I would say so, just a bit. I mean, nowadays, it's different, I think, with the Patriot Act, but in 1973, it was definitely illegal. Absolutely. I mean, the Rockefeller Commission even agreed, noting that the agency has the authority to conduct conduct investigations of present or former employees but has no authority to investigate newsmen simply because they have published leaked classified information thus you can conclude that project mockingbird was an illegal program though not a program which indicated agency control of the press well i don't know about all that it seems a lot you can't have one without the other right it it seems a lot like the 21 congressional staffers, six members of Congress, 12 senators, the attorney general, and the White House staffer all giving the information to the CIA, that's going to sway the media. Oh, 100%. That's going to help form the media, the public's opinion. Right. Now, why don't you tell us a little bit about whether it's still going on in current day mainstream? So does Project Mockingbird indicate current-day CIA control of the mainstream media? Well, after the Watergate scandal in 1972 through 1974, Congress became concerned over possible presidential abuse of the CIA. This concern reached its height when reporter Seymour Hersh published an expose of CIA domestic surveillance in 1975. Congress authorized a series of congressional investigations into agency activities from 75 to 76. A wide range of CIA operations were examined in this investigation, including CIA ties with journalists and numerous private volunteer organizations. None of the resulting reports, however, refer to Operation Mockingbird. Of course. So the most extensive discussion of CIA relations with news media from the investigation is in the Church Committee's final report, published in April of 1976. The report covered CIA ties with both foreign and domestic news media. For foreign news media, the report concluded that the CIA currently maintains a network of several hundred foreign individuals around the world who provide intelligence for the CIA and at times attempt to influence opinion through the use of covert propaganda. These individuals provide the CIA with direct access to a large number of newspapers and periodicals, scores of press services and news agencies, radio and television stations, commercial book publishers, and other foreign media outlets. That seems like it just about covers everything. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, an affirmative. Yeah, uh, it just seems... Uh, I, I was watching a documentary once, and this gentleman on it once said that anything that's ever been written down or that's been broadcast is a lie. He was like, I'm talking about every book and this and that. Well, you know what? It's not too hard to believe when you hear this, I mean, you watch the news. I mean, I don't because I always just say it, it's just bad news. There's nothing ever good on there. And what can you believe? I, I don't believe a single thing that's on there, including the weather. No, the weather guys get it wrong more, <laughs> yeah. than, more than anyone. Right. So for the domestic media, the report states that approximately 
50 of the agency assets are individual American journalists or employees of U.S. media organizations. So it's less than the, the worldwide total. Yeah. But it's still a ton. Of these, fewer than half are accredited by U.S. media organizations. The remaining individuals are non-accredited freelance con- contributors and media representatives abroad. More than a dozen United States news organizations and commercial publishing houses formerly provided cover for CIA agents. A few of these organizations were unaware that they provided this cover. That's crazy. I don't know if I buy that either. Oh, well, no. It's kind of, they're just trying to cover their own skin. Well, we didn't know. Right. I mean, they're, they know that those companies are going to continue operating. So they didn't want to say, well, yeah, ABC. Well, sure. There was something similar that happened in the news within the last, I don't know, four or five months where a uh, cargo ship that was owned by J.P. Morgan was caught by customs bringing in like tons of like cocaine. And J.P. Morgan was just like, well, yeah, that's our boat, but we weren't aware of what the... Save it, buddies. (laughs) Come on. You guys have been bringing in Coke since the Reagan administration. Okay, so the CIA was sensitive to the charge that the CIA covert relationships with American media jeopardized the credibility of the American press and risk the possibility of propagandizing the U.S. public. Former director William Colby expressed this concern in recent testimony before the House Select Committee on Intelligence. So you got former director about to say this. We have taken particular caution to ensure that our operations are focused abroad and not at the United States in order to influence the opinion of the American people about things from a CIA point of view. But it was the complete opposite. Yeah, I mean, he's saying that. I guess that's the direction that he's saying they're taking it now. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but if they were doing that on any magnitude, if the CIA, if you want to know how the CIA is lying, their lips are moving. I mean, what are they going to tell us? I mean, they consider us a, a need-to-know basis, and we never need to know. So, well, as early as 1967, the CIA, in the wake of the National Student Association disclosure, moved to flatly prohibit the publication of books, magazines, or newspapers in the United States. More recently, George Bush, the new director, undertook as one of his first actions to recognize the special status afforded the American media under our Constitution, and therefore pledged that CIA will not enter into any paid or contractual relationship with any full-time or part-time news correspondent accredited by any United States service, newspaper, periodical, radio, television network, or station. Wow. George Bush said. <laughs> you trust him? Yeah. yeah. Just like uh, how good he did preventing 9-11, which his people <laughs> caused. Now, prior to the release of the church report, the CIA had already begun restricting its use of journalists. The first major step to impose restrictions on the use of U.S. journalists was taken by former Director Colby in the fall of 1973. Now, according to Mr. Colby's letter to the committee, 
It stated, CIA will undertake no activity in which there is a risk of influencing domestic public opinion, either directly or indirectly. The agency will continue its prohibition against placement of the material in the American media. In certain instances, usually, where the initiative is on the part of the media, CIA will occasionally provide factual, non-attributable briefings to various elements of the media, but only in cases where we assure that the senior editorial staff is aware of the source of the information provided. As a general policy, the agency will not make any clandestine use of staff employees of the U.S. publications, which have a substantial impact or influence on public opinion. This limitation includes cover use and any other activities which may be directed by the CIA. Well, we know that they didn't keep up that end of the bargain back then because Epstein. That cracks me up. The senior editorial staff is aware of the source of the information. Have you ever seen the source of any information as cited as the CIA? No, <laughs> never. <laughs> we heard this from the CIA. But you know what? I mean, all and all they're really saying is, is to make them aware. I mean, it never says whether or not anything's going to be done. Yeah, you can be aware of something all you want. Can you prevent it? No. Now, Mr. Colby's letter specified that operational use of the staff, that is full-time correspondents and other employees of major U.S. news magazines, newspapers, wire services, or television networks, was to be avoided. Use would be less restricted for stringers or occasional correspondents for these new organizations, as well as for correspondents working for smaller, technical, or specialized publications. But on February 11, 1976, the CIA announced new guidelines governing its relationship with the U.S. media organizations. The public statement that the CIA issue expressed a policy of even greater restraint. Effective immediately, CIA will not enter into any paid or contractual relationship with any full-time or part-time news correspondent accredited by any U.S. news service, newspaper, periodical, radio, or television network, or station. As soon as feasible, the agency will bring existing relationships with individuals in these groups into conformity with this new policy. So that yeah. was in 76. Yeah. It's close. That's within our lifetime. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, and, well, they've been lying for the last 43 years. Though. From CIA testimony later that month, the committee learned that this prohibition extends to non-Americans accredited to the U.S. media organizations. By the time the Church Committee report was completed, all CIA contacts with accredited journalists had been dropped. According to the CIA, accredited applies to individuals who are formally authorized by contract or issuance of press credentials to represent themselves as correspondents. <clears throat> Furthermore, on December 4, 1981, President Reagan issued Executive Order 12333, which specifically prohibits CIA relationships with the media. Limitation on covert action. No covert action may be conducted, which is intended to influence United States political process, public opinion, policies, or media. The recently declassified CIA international guidelines also reiterate the same prohibitions here. EO-1233 prohibits CIA from engaging in special activities to influ influence U.S. political processes, public opinion, policies, or the media. 
And here, in accordance with the authorities and responsibilities described in Section 2, the CIA is not authorized to, sh to and shall not engage in any intelligence activity, including dissemination of information to the Executive Office of the President for the purpose of affecting the political process in the United States. Questions about whether a particular activity falls within this prohibition will be resolved in a consultation with the Office of General Counsel. That's a pretty serious allegation if they're saying that the CIA could potentially present information to the president of the United States that would swing the political process. That's kind of messed up. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, no, there's no two ways about it. I mean, it's just, it's a corrupt organization and they, and they just spin wheels. You want to, you want to keep going for us? Yes. The older CIA attorney general guidelines also make mention of this policy in greater depth in the section Relations with Journalists and Staff of U.S. News Media Organizations. No full-time or part-time journalists, <clears throat> including so-called stringers, accredited by a U.S. news service, newspaper, periodical, radio, television network, or station will be used for the purpose of conducting any intelligence activities. The term accredited means any full-time or part-time employee of the U.S. or foreign nationality who is formally authorized by contract or by the issuance of press credentials to represent himself either in the United States or abroad as a correspondent for a U.S. news media organization, including professional and trade journal publications, or who is officially recognized by a foreign government to represent a U.S. news media organization. That makes sense. That's a good yeah, one. that does make sense. That, that means your foreign correspondents aren't going to be getting kidnapped. Right. That's good. I like that. You hope. Right. I mean, they still do, but yeah. it's, I think, to kind of lay that to rest. So non-journalist staff employees of any U.S. news media will not be used for the purpose of conducting intelligence activities without the approval of senior management of the news organization. So if you have that non-journalist tag, they can still use you as long as the senior management approves of it. Right. Which they will. Yeah, of course they will. Open relationships with journalists or non-journalist staff employees, for example, contracts to perform translating services or to lecture at training courses, will continue to be permitted. Open relationships are characterized by a willingness on both sides to acknowledge the fact and nature of the relationship to senior management officials of the organizations involved. Well, I think, well... Well, they say open relationships with journalists or non-journalist staff employees, for example, contracts to perform translating services or to lecture or training will continue. So all they have to do is just be like, okay, well, your title's not a journalist. You're actually translating services to a lecture training course. Dude, I think that's even more messed up because if the CIA can buy off a translator and somebody's speaking to another person but the the translator is the CIA operative. Mm -hmm. They're telling the other person not what that person's saying. Oh, the, yeah. The job of a translator is getting shaped and changed into what that operative wants to say to that other person. Yeah, it makes me think of like the the, the commercial right now where the guy's like- <laughs> I, Swedes. Yeah, my Dutch is okay. Yeah. 
and he's like, this man really needs a hug. And he's yeah. like, it's happening. <laughs> That's what that would be like. I mean, you'd just be completely in the dark. You would be clueless. I mean, it would seem a lot alike. Like, you're looking at the person, and they're they're nodding, and they're speaking in a language that you don't understand, and this other person is saying something similar, but not really what it is. Keywords are important. So... The name or facilities of any U.S. news media organization shall not be used to provide cover for any agency employees or activities. Nothing in this, rela- in this regulation prohibits the Public Affairs Office from maintaining regular liaison with representatives of the news media. Okay. Okay, yeah. As per the church committee's recommendation, this ban is also known is n- is also now law with 50 US code 3093, the National Security Act of 1947 has also been amended to include this these prohibitions. A finding may not authorize any action intended to influence United States political processes public opinion, policies, or media. These bans are designed to protect the integrity of the government and civil rights. So, I mean, the CIA was putting those laws in place, but it was kind of like after the fact. Oh, yeah. Well, you can put any laws in place that you want. The CIA doesn't have to uh, abide by them because it's all deep state anyway. Right. I mean, you're never going to know. No. Now, The CIA did have extensive paid and contractual relationships with journalists, but that policy ended 45 to 48 years ago, so they say, and is prohibited by executive order as well as national security law today. International safeguards in the congressional oversight process assure compliance. The Senate Select Committee on Intelligence and the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, as well as other committees, closely monitor the agency's reporting and the programs. Thus, we can conclude that the CIA doesn't control the media in the United States. And one can conclude from a reading of the final report from the Church Committee that it did. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, but that's the same as saying, well, I'm. Uh, before, the day before 9-11, you know, Rumsfeld came out and was like, well, we, we can't account for $2 trillion. You can have all the committees you want, but if nobody's doing the actual research or everybody's being fed garbage information, nothing's going to balance out. No, I agree. Oh, man. Well, Frank Weiser, who was the director of espionage and counterintelligence branch, he spearheaded the organization and was told to concentrate on propaganda, economic warfare, preventative direct action, including sabotage, anti-sabotage, demolition, evacuation measures, subversion against hostile states, including assistance to underground resistance groups, and support of indigenous anti-communist elements in threatened countries of the free world. Did he leave anybody out? That was a heck of a list, folks. (laughs) I'll tell you, journalists were reportedly blackmailed and threatened into this network, though. Now, the CIA's financing of the independent and private organization was just meant to create favorable stories. It was also a means to covertly collect information from other countries that were relevant to the Americans' national security. Like the New York Times article, Ramparts Magazine exposed the covert operation in 1967 when it reported that the National Student Association received funding from the CIA. 
1977 article in Rolling Stone written by Carl Bernstein was titled The CIA and the Media. Bernstein said in the article that the CIA secretly bankrolled numerous foreign press services, periodicals, and newspapers, both English and foreign language, which provided excellent cover for CIA operatives. These reports led to a series of congressional invitations, oh, I'm sorry, investigations done in the 1970s under a committee that was set up by the U.S. Senate, here we go with another committee, and named the Church Committee. The Church Committee investigations looked into government operations and potential abuses by the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, and the IRS. There's the NSA. Yep. They're coming up. Yep. In 2007, around 700 pages of documents from the 1970s were declassified and released by the CIA in a collection called The Family Jewels. The files all surrounded the investigations and scandals pertaining to agency misconduct during the 70s. There was only one mention of Operation Mockingbird in these files, in which it was revealed that two American journalists were wiretapped for several months. Though declassified documents show that this type of operation occurred, it's never been officially confirmed as the title Operation Mockingbird. Thus, it's also never been officially discontinued, which we know of, just based upon... My gosh, my mic just fell out of the... <laughs> which we know based upon current day uh, events, such as uh, you know, our ABC reporter coming out on... sitting on the Epstein story for, for three years. And man, they went to the head of that network and basically were asking him, I mean, you know, he's just stone cold, just keeps walking. I mean, what do you do? Well, I mean, that, that and also... That Amy Robuck was crazy. That video, if you haven't seen that, you need to check that out on our Facebook page. But yeah. also, I know that during this research process, you would come up on some some WikiLeaks that were quite interesting as well. Just, I mean, you don't you don't need to get too far into them. Just briefly, the WikiLeaks that we were looking at were generally speaking. Well, they had they had lists of people from ABC. It was collusion. In the in the last presidential campaign, yeah, uh, several names, probably between five and six of each list uh, of names of ABC, uh, MSNBC. I mean, all your major networks were covered, and and it was all released by WikiLeaks that they were all performing, helping with collusion during the uh, the Clinton campaign. Yeah, right. So, so I mean, that stuff is still happening right now. Oh, and it's it's not going to stop. I mean, we hear we hear the president of the United States always say fake news. I mean, hundred percent. Regardless of how you feel about the president of the United States, I mean, I mean, if you don't trust your government and 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 you're with subtle beast, I mean, fake news. Yeah, you know what messes me up too is you go to any of your major networks and you get to watch your news kind of painted in the light that you want it in. So if sure. you if you lean towards the right, you can watch a news network that leans towards the right, and you get the rhetoric of the right in your in your newscast. If you lean towards the left, you get the rhetoric of the left in your newscast. Sure. Well, it's just like uh, if if they didn't have it that way, everybody would lose interest, or at least half. And that's why you have to have different genres and movies because everybody needs to have their their needs met visually, audially, and and quite frankly, I mean, human beings are people that just like people to agree with them. 
And you know, in the in the home network, in the home area for sports, I, I like the Eagles. Right. In, in not, not everyone's perfect. Being around here, easy. <clears throat> I like to listen to the sportscasters that are Eagles fans. Sure. So it kind of goes along with the same, the same uh, setup as if you want to watch your news and you want it to come out spun to one side or the other. It, you get that same feeling. But still, see, that's the problem, though. I don't want my news coming out one way spun a certain way. I just want the truth. I want the facts. Well, that's the thing. My dad, who is uh, 71, said that's never been the way it was. It's always been objective. That's always what it's supposed to be. Our media has always prided themselves. Journalists prided themselves and news networks and anchors would always say, you know, we're going to deliver you the facts and just the facts. That's how it is. And, that's and they wouldn't give their personal public opinion. They weren't, they're not supposed to. Right. Which that ABC reporter, even though she was hot mic'd, she was definitely given her because she was saying, Oh, I, I firmly believe he was killed. <laughs> you know, just, yeah, they're, they're not supposed to throw in their, their own spin on it. But see, that's the thing. When you're getting information from management or ownership, it's not even the spin of the the journalist or the broadcaster. It's the spin of the ownership. Well, yeah. I mean, she was between a rock and a hard place. Like, I was thinking about it. I was like, I was thinking to myself, well, if you were that convicted about it, why didn't you just quit and then possibly go to another media station but they're all controlled by the same beast so she would have just got shut down all she would have really done was quit her job right and if she puts out a huge uh expose on epstein it actually puts a target on her back 100 percent. she would have had to been under protection she would have been under whistleblower protection she would have had to been but so what but that wouldn't have done anything. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's been, you might as well just kill yourself. Right. Epstein, well. <laughs> well, or, or, or pretend or have the world say that you did. I right. Mean, I don't know. Keep it going here, bro. She would have been one of those uh, off the balcony types. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the CIA's Operation Mockingbird manipulated the media. So for this one, a nice fresh article here. Operation Mockingbird was a domestic propaganda campaign aimed at promoting the views of the CIA within the media. Boom. Like That's the easiest explanation right there. Boom. Reporters shared their notebooks with the CIA. Editors shared their staffs. Some of the journalists were Pulitzer Prize winners. Distinguished reporters who considered themselves ambassadors without portfolio for their country. Operation Mockingbird was a CIA program that made a mockery of free press in the United States. The existence of this program, which spread CIA propaganda through the media, was flatly denied until it was uncovered in Senate hearings in the mid-1970s. The CIA's claims that it shut the program down in 1976 are undoubtedly a further deception. They simply shifted the operation to other parts of the agency as they had been caught red-handed. Before the U.S. Senate Church Committee revelations, the media and CIA colluded overtly in their media propaganda campaigns. 
as the public was quite incensed with these revelations, afterwards the collusion became covert and much more sophisticated. Nowadays, media executives and journalists are very careful to keep their CIA connections secret, yet there is plenty of evidence the techniques developed and used under Operation Mockingbird continue to be common practice. And, and, I, and I firmly believe that. Um, if anybody has seen the documentary uh, Unacknowledged with, it's no secret that I love Dr. Stephen Greer, um, but on in that documentary, he's he interviews a gentleman by the name of Richard Doty. Now, Richard Doty, he goes way back into the um, the UFO alien, if you want to say conspiracy genre. Um, we discuss him on other podcasts. Uh, you can look him up. But now he used to work for the government um, at, for disinformation. And long story short, he ended up driving somebody crazy, and the guy is in a and spending the rest of his life in a mental home. But now he comes out and he's, he's working for the good guys, if you will. And he was telling Greer during an interview that, yeah, even up until this day, he was even one of the couriers. And he was like, these people are still in the media today. We take them large sums of cash, bags of cash, so that it can't be traced. And he wouldn't even reveal how much money that they're paid to give fake stories to manipulate the story to bag stories to make sure that uh, that these stories never resurface and um, one of my things that I've always thought was I always thought uh, Anderson Cooper was yeah. a CIA operative I've heard you say that a lot yeah I mean he's he he's, has ties and with the, well, his mother was a Vanderbilt right yeah it was Gloria Vanderbilt yep I mean do we need to say any more I mean they controlled the country what 75 85 years ago yeah and now anderson cooper is a huge media figure yeah i got a lot to say on anderson cooper but i'm saving it for another podcast so uh yeah i digress go ahead (laughs) so about a third of the whole cia budget went to media propaganda operations and they're talking about Hundreds of millions of dollars a year just for that. Close to a billion dollars. Well, that seems like a bargain because whoever controls the media controls the world. I mean, they're spending that every year in the United States on secret propaganda. And that's the testimony of William Schapp to Congress. And he's just ballparking. So in 1948, the United States began the Marshall Plan. That's an initiative to help the devastated Europe recover from the war. The CIA decided to siphon funds to create the Office of Policy Coordination, which would become the covert action branch of this agency. It was under this program that Operation Mockingbird, a domestic propaganda campaign aimed at promoting the views of the CIA within the media, began. So the whole thing happened after the war with siphoned money uh-huh. and this new Office of Policy Coordination. Well, if you think about it, that would make sense that they're going to want to try to control the media at that time um, because look at uh, Operation uh, Paperclip where we were bringing over all the Nazis uh, that to basically work on NASA and work on rockets while the while the other Nazis were you know had went to the uh, the Nuremberg trials, well right then and there you can't let people know that the Nazis are these people these brutal vicious murderers are now 
hold head places with inside of our government. It's ridiculous. And they all got pardons for it. Yeah, they certainly did. So from the onset, Operation Mockingbird was one of the most sensitive of CIA's operations. With recruitment of journalists and the training of intelligence officers for propaganda purposes, usually undertaken by director Alan Dulles himself or his direct peers. It's a false belief that the CIA infiltrated unwitting media institutions. The recruitment of journalists was frequently done with the complicity from top management and ownership. So that goes back to what I was saying before. Those media institutions, they knew that the CIA was infiltrating them. Yeah, and what difference does it make? Uh, who knew? It's just, it's still being infiltrated and stories are still being bagged or hacked or manipulated. I'm pretty sure that's why they're they're not throwing them under the bus. Right. Former CIA director William Colby claimed that during the church committee investigations, let's go to the managements. They are witting. That's what was said. Among the organizations that would lend their help to the propaganda efforts was the New York Times, Newsweek, Associated Press, and the Miami Herald. Providing cover to CIA agents was part of the New York Times policy set by their late publisher, Arthur Hayes Salzberger. Wow. That's... It's, it, it, it doesn't surprise me, I mean, I have to say. Now, the investigative committee of Frank Church, officially titled Select Committee to Study Governmental Operations with Respect to Intelligence Activities, uncovered a lot of evidence concerning Operation Mockingbird and came to the conclusion that, and I quote, the CIA currently maintains a network of several hundred foreign individuals around the world who provide intelligence for the CIA and at times attempt to influence the opinion through the use of covert propaganda. These individuals provide the CIA with direct access to a large number of newspapers and periodicals, scores of press services and news agencies, radio and television stations, commercial book publishers, and other foreign media outlets. Carl Bernstein, the reporter famous for his excellent investigation into the Watergate scandal, wrote... Joseph Alsop is one of more than 400 journalists who in the past 25 years have secretly carried out assignments for the CIA, according to the documents on file at CIA headquarters. Some of these journalists' relationships with the agency were tactic. Some were explicit. There was cooperation, accommodation, and overlap. Journalists provided a full range of clandestine services, from simple intelligence gathering to serving as go-betweens with spies in the communist countries. Reporters shared their notebooks with the CIA. Editors shared their staffs. Some of the journalists were Pulitzer, Surprise win or Pulitzer Prize winners, distinguished reporters who considered themselves ambassadors without portfolio for their country. Most were less exalted, foreign correspondents who found that their association with the agency helped their work, strangers and freelancers who were as interested in the during do of the spy business as in filing articles, and the smallest category, full-time CIA employees masquerading as journalists abroad. In many instances, CIA documents show journalists were engaged to perform tasks for the CIA with the with the consent of management of America's leading news organizations. Now, all the while, a majority of Mockingbird operations were overseas, the goal was to have an important, hard-sitting story to be circulated in the American press. Now, relationships with major United States media institutions certainly helped with this goal, 
Bernstein lists the New York Times, CBS, and Time, Inc. as the most productive relationships the agency cultivated. They also created front organizations overseas who publicly maintained an appearance of free press, but privately were operated by the agencies. An example of this is in Rome Daily American, which was 40% owned by the CIA for three decades. That's so much. That's so bad. I know. That's such corruption. Another strategy was developing relationships with major media owners who were known to harbor right-wing views, such as William Paley of CBS, and then passing on information of journalists, actors, and screenwriters who harbored left-wing views. Information was also passed on to friendly congressmen such as Joseph McCarthy. These men and women would then be blacklisted from the industry. Lee J. Cobb was one such actor who was blacklisted and recalled his experience. Quote, When the facilities of the government of the United States are drawn on an individual, it can be terrifying. The blacklist is just the opening gambit. Being deprived of work, your passport is confiscated. That's minor. But not being able to move without being tailed is something else. After a certain point, it grows to the implied as well as articulated threats and people succumb. My wife did, and she was institutionalized. In 1953, the House Un-American Activities Committee did a deal with me. I was pretty much worn down. I had no money. I couldn't borrow. I had the expenses of taking care of the children. Why am I subjecting my loved ones to this? If it's worth dying for, am I just an idealistic as am I just as idealistic as the next fellow? But I decided it wasn't worth dying for. And this is the gesture was the way of getting it out of the penitentiary. I'll do it. I had to be employable again. That's a man at the end of his rope. Dude, you know who that reminds me of? What's that? Snowden. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think a lot of people take Snowden for granted. I do too, man. It seems like he should have a day. Like the American people should. I mean, he can't even come back into this country because he's looking to face treason. But all he did was release information that our government treasonally was keeping from the American people. So who's really at fault here? They were, I mean, the things that he was pointing out was that the American government was spying on its own people, listening to phone calls, video, wiretaps, everything that satellite imagery, everything that you can do to spy on the American people. And he released it all. Yeah. And if Mark Zuckerberg has a Band-Aid over his uh, cam on his laptop, everybody should have that covered. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, he's he's done talks uh, and deals with the CIA, I'm sure, just like Google has. And, and, that, and that's out in the news. You can look that up. But if you could also believe that the CIA went as far as to write scripts for Hollywood, one interesting example is the funding of the movie version of Animal Farm in 1954, a book written just less than a decade earlier by George Orwell, which enjoyed large comical or commercial success. The problem for the CIA was that Orwell was a socialist, and his book attracted both capitalism and communism. To avoid this conflict, the CIA changed the ending of the Hollywood version to portray capitalism in a more positive light. Domestic surveillance was also used on journalists who had published classified material. In one example, a physical surveillance post was set up at the Hilton Hotel in view of the office of the Washington Post writer Michael Gettler. 
The operation defied the CIA's charter, which specifically prohibits domestic spying. The operation was directed towards numerous members of the Washington press corps and was signed off by John F. Kennedy himself in coordination with CIA director John McCone. Now, one CIA document states, get books published or distributed abroad without revealing any U.S. influence by covertly subsidizing foreign publicans or booksellers. Get books published for operational reasons, regardless of commercial viability. The church committee concluded that over a thousand books were published under this directive. There's so many books out there in circulation which is you know, nothing. Just no no substance, no truth. Propaganda. Yeah. Some investigative journalists have claimed that Operation Mockingbird did not end in 1976, as the CIA claims. For example, in 1998, researcher Steve Kangas claimed that the conservative billionaire Richard Mellon Scaife, who ran Foreign World Features, a foreign news organization, was a CIA asset and used the organization to disseminate propaganda for circulation in the United States. Kangas ended up dead with a bullet hole in his head. In the office of Richard Scaife, it was ruled a suicide, although there were discrepancies in the police report and autopsy. Sounds very familiar. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> now, the church committee's conclusion accurately reflects the problems associated with Operation Mockingbird. In examining the CIA's past and present use of the U.S. media, the committee finds two reasons for concern. The first is the potential inherent in covert media operations for manipulating or incidentally misleading the American public. The second is the damage to the credibility and independence of a free press, which may be caused by covert relationships with the U.S. journalists and media organization. While it is deplorable for citizens of countries to be subjected to a state-owned media, at least they can be aware of the biases and filter information accordingly. We have been taught a lie from birth that the U.S. press is free from government meddling. In a situation where manipulation is completely covert, the American public has been left unaware of the propaganda they have been ingesting for decades. Oh, I love it. Yeah, which it's, you know, you think about it and, and it's the truth. I mean, it's the, it's the main reason I don't watch the news. If I, I seek out my own information that I need. And then I cross-reference it to make sure that it's accurate. I mean, just what, I mean, with this whole Epstein and, and, and the ABC anchor that was hot-miked, if that's not proof that everything that is on the news is just being shoveled down your throat just to either distract, manipulate, or confuse you in some way. Or filter it out. It, it could go the other way too. Either either they're showing you something that has a spin on it, or they're not showing you something that's really important that is happening either here or abroad. I don't even know what countries we're at war with anymore. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we're just about we're at war in war with everybody. I think I read a stat recently uh, that in the whole. What is it, 200 and some odd years of the United States, we've only been at peace for, I think, 10 years, 10 or 12 years, the entire existence of the United States. That's crazy. So what would be a good way of, if we keep getting in wars and we keep putting on the media and we show, okay, well, uh, look how terrible it was over here. Well, maybe that starts to think, well, how good do I have it over here? Maybe, I, you know, it's not so bad. Maybe I won't speak up as much. Yeah, because, I, you know, I don't live in the desert. Or, well, you know what? These people might not have it so bad if uh, maybe we would butt out. 
I mean, let's let them do them. We'll do us. They've been doing it for thousands of years. Yeah, without us sticking our nose in it and trying to be, you know, the biggest, baddest on the block. I love my country. I fear my government. So that's why I'm always uh, a little cautious. You know, there's still troops. There's still troops in Afghanistan. There's still troops spread across all of the Middle East. It's in the media makes it seem like we're done with those wars because they don't put them on TV anymore. Of course not, because it's not serving. In, in but it'll probably come out as you know as the as the presidential elections keep ramping up. You know anybody that wants to take down Trump will be like, well, is there still troops over there? And you know then he's got to justify that or you know bring them all home prior to. I don't know. Let's just if we just keep our troops should be here to defend this country and. Let's do that. And if there's any like hard dictators out there, you know, maybe they can be dealt with. But as of right now, what are we doing over there? You know, why are we still there? I mean, come on. If it wasn't for oil, if it wasn't for any type of uh, extraterrestrial artifacts at the ziggurat of Ur, then I don't know what it is. And if, and if, okay, so the troops are there. Why aren't we seeing it on the news at all? Yeah, keep us updated. Well, because they got to keep you in your bubble, too. The same time, expose you to the horrors out there so that you appreciate what you have. But at the same time, we can't give you too much because then you become a free thinker. Right. The staged, the staged horrors that they put together. Well, sure. I'll tell you what. I had a great time going over this tonight. This has been one that's been kicked around for a while. Uh, took us a while to actually put it together. I mean, Mockingbird is cool. It's a cool. It's a cool setup. It's cool that in 2007 they declassified the uh, documents to back it up. So you know it's a hundred percent. It was a CIA operation that ran. Uh, yeah. Well, we're gonna bring you what we feel is not only our opinion and facts, but there's stories out there that the public's not aware of that our, uh, you know, our squeaky clean government. Uh, has actually portrayed and has really tried to pull the wool over our eyes and make the American people seem like we're idiots. But I think that time is over because uh, not only is Subtle Beast making everybody aware of it, I think everybody else is waking up uh, and is just really doesn't want to take it anymore. I agree. Well, I had a lot of fun tonight. Um, until next time, I'm Foltz. And I'm Steve. And we'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye. <laughs>